Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. Well, yet another uh, outstanding introduction by our mutual friend, Ed Johnson, um, that I met, oh gosh, 12 years ago or something through the university system. Leah Orr, welcome to your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sarah. Well, I'm I'm really excited for this for a few reasons. One is that when Ed makes an introduction, I listen because he he's like the connector extraordinaire. He just knows when people need to know each other. And the other reason is that I am definitely a huge advocate for people learning parenting skills, especially those of us who think we know what we're doing, but having some confirmation mm-hmm. to help guide is really helpful. And I loved your recent post on Instagram saying you can be a good parent and work full time, be at home, um, be single, be married. Like mm-hmm. you can be a good parent no matter what your situation or conditions, if you choose that. So anyway, thank, thank you for you. joining me. <laughs> thank you. Um, let's start with the question that I always ask my guests, so that our listeners have a chance to get to know you from a different perspective. Can you share something about yourself that most people might not know about you? Something that wouldn't be on your LinkedIn or any kind of bio or resume? Something, (laughs) you know, that might be a little surprising to people who know you now. So this is something like people in my personal life know, but it's not anywhere on my social media. Um, I am like a, and always have been a very, very picky eater. Um, (laughs) And the thing that drives everyone crazy that knows me is I really can't stand onions. And I like all my life have like picked them out of everything I eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I love that. Um, So when did you notice this about yourself? Was it like childhood and? Oh yeah, definitely in childhood and had the plenty of power struggles with my parents of me just sitting at the table for hours because I refused to eat whatever it was that they wanted me to eat. Um, that had onions in it or, onion, or otherwise. And all kinds of things like generally picky. And, um, and then when I moved out, I was able to kind of try things. I think partly because it wasn't such a power struggle. It wasn't about stubbornness. It was just about like, I could make this decision for myself. And so I'm less picky than I was, <laughs> but I still, onions are completely off the table for me. Um, but I'm really good at like eating around them or picking them out. So <laughs> have you tried them in recent years? Do you take yeah. a bite every once in a while just to see if it changed? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, all the time they just appear in my meals. You know, if I go out to eat or I'm at somebody's house, um, 
And obviously I don't want to be like rude. I'm not asking anyone to make any special meals for me because I'm not allergic or anything. I just mm-hmm. don't like them. Um, so I've had them in different things. I'm like, oh, I just, there's something about them. <laughs> <laughs> so cooked and raw, is it a texture thing? Uh, it's a more taste thing, I think. Really interesting. Yeah, like well, I love that you're, oh yeah, especially afterward mm-hmm. <laughs> when it keeps mm-hmm. coming back. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that this really helps you in your work, having mm-hmm. that experience, particularly understanding that being a picky eater isn't always about the food. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's not. And it took me a long time to learn that myself. I think like looking back at my childhood, like I said, I think a lot of it was about the power struggle. Um, wanting independence and control over like what I put in my own body. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, being a mom and then working with other parents and people who take care of small children, like picky eating is a huge, you know, I think all parents deal with that. Um, and so how do you help your kids eat healthy without making it a fight, making it a battle? Um, right. I don't specialize making it about in power. Yeah. I don't specialize in nutrition or meals, but I do, I'm a therapist and I do work with like, you know, how do you make a person feel empowered to make their own choices and, um, you know, maintain trust within your family, maintain trust with your children. Um, so that's been, you know, an adventure with my own kids for sure. Um, I bet. (laughs) So just so our listeners understand a little context here, Mm -hmm. what is it, uh, can you describe, um, what you do in the context of like a story telling us about a client, obviously you can't use any names, but Mm -hmm. um, telling us something, a successful experience you had with a client. Um, That's a good question. The reason I present it this way is that saying what you do as a title or an action is one thing, Mm -hmm. but demonstrating it through success is a totally different thing. So as an example, One of my coaching clients came to me because she was struggling through interviews and she was looking for a new job. And she's this amazingly talented individual. And I was shocked that she hadn't been snatched up because she's done so many cool things. She didn't know how to share the stories of those things Mm -hmm. to demonstrate the qualities, her character and her talents in a way that was approachable. So after our work together, she, um, she got interview after interview and ended up with her dream job. Oh, no, that's my success story. Now it's (laughs) off to you. Okay. This is a very, this is like a more, um, micro level story, but, um, I worked with a parent who had two small children. So I I work with parents mostly. I don't really work with kids anymore. I used to, and she was so frustrated because her two-year-old kept like coming up and just like screaming at her or pulling her hair or kicking her or taking, you know, she would be like, making something and he would like pull it out of her hand and then it would be ruined like a craft or something or um and she was just like gosh I can't like every time he does this I'm just like I want to yell at him and I want to uh you know and I think you know if you've been around small children especially if they're your own but even if they're not like they can really get you frustrated um <laughs> well I remember yes <laughs> I've learned that long what I love to I have to remind myself of this all the time but what I love to like teach and what I taught in this moment is like your child just wants your attention. And to them, it's not about if it's good or bad attention, if it's positive or negative, if you're yelling at him, if you're crying because you're so overwhelmed, like 
<clears throat> you're paying attention to him and that's what he wants. And so um, with her, I suggested, you know, when he comes up to you and he wants a kiss or when he gives you a hug or when he does something nice, make a huge deal out of it. Like, oh my gosh, that felt so good when you gave me that hug or wow, I can't believe you picked up all those toys by yourself. Like, loud and excited and expressive and tons and tons of attention. Um, and she was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And then the next time we spoke, she was like, he's like barely even kicking me anymore. He's like, you know, like it was a pretty quick turnaround because this kid just wanted his mom to pay attention to him. And don't we all, mm-hmm. um, and the, there's the other piece where we can't fully give them our full attention all the time. Like that's just not really realistic. Mm-hmm. And so seizing those moments of like, when they're doing something well or even neutral, you know, even if they're just sitting and playing. Thank you for being so quiet. Yeah. Thank you for being so quiet. Or I see you playing so well with your toys, like just to let them know you see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or sitting with them. If you have five minutes and play with their toys with them. Yes. That's the best. That's, I mean, that's really going to prevent that hair pulling. If you can (laughs) be there kind of spontaneously too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that, Leah. And um, it's funny because when our boys were little, our boys are 20 and 23 now. Mm-hmm. And um, when our boys were little, I would get into that struggle with them. And my husband was magical at distraction. <laughs> so like if if one of them was doing that pulling on me or you know, trying to get my attention and I'd be like frustrated trying to reason with them. Give me just a couple minutes. You can't reason with a two-year-old. Yeah. Give me just two more minutes and then I'll be with you. They don't, they don't want to hear that. They want you right now. Mm-hmm. My husband would be like, oh my gosh, look outside. There's there's a deer in our yard, you know, <laughs> and they go running off to see it. Yes. Like, wow, I need to learn how to do that more. So is that also um, some of the work you do? Is that integration, especially if you have two parents trying to parent in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, and I won't get too much into it right now, but like the course that I'm doing is called strength and parenting. And I really think that like every parent has their strengths. And so, you know, in that situation, it sounds like your husband really had this strength of like distraction. <laughs> and like, I see that like Sarah needs me right now. I'm going to jump in and do this. And I, I don't know you that well, but I imagine you had your own strengths as a parent. And I think, a lot of us will look at other people and there's so many, like I'm one of them, but mommy Instagrams, right. And all these parents that you can see how they do it. And it's so easy to compare yourself to them. Um, and even your partner, you know, if you have a co-parent, plenty of single parents too, but we're comparing, comparing. And so I think it's so important to be like, Hey, what am I good at? Like, mm-hmm. you know, for you, like my husband is really good at distracting and not, but, but, and, I'm really good at this. Um, and our kids thrive from both. Like if you were trying to be like your husband the whole time, like they would just be like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely see that. And you know, the other thing that that just popped up in my head is that whether you're a single parent or a parent Mm co-parenting, um, having other people to serve different roles for your children, I think is critical. And our boys, I, I mean, I could brag all day about mm-hmm. how they are as adults and even how they were as kids because we nurtured a community of other adults and their friends who 
filled roles for them that we couldn't as parents, either because we were their parent, which happens, or because we didn't have the strengths that they needed at that time. And we used to ask them, especially in teenage years, when there was a lot of um, information about suicide being shared, and particularly Montana has the highest rate of suicide across the country, Mm -hmm. which to me is just devastating and really disturbing. And so right here in our little town, every year, there would be two or three kids that we would lose Mm -hmm. at our high schools, at least Mm -hmm. every year. And when my boys were in high school, I would hear about it and I'd lose my shit. I would just lose it. And I would go into their bedrooms one at a time and say, talk to me, tell me that our relationship is different because that mother thought she had a great relationship with her kid. And now we know that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And, and tell me, tell me what's different because I need some support and comfort here. Mm-hmm. And I need to be able to comfort you. I don't know how, unless I know that our yeah. relationship is strong enough for that. But I remember having these conversations with them and then asking them, if you can't talk to me, who are the people that you can talk to? I want names. I want to know that you've been thinking about this. And every time they'd rattle off two or three names, it might be my brother or my sister. It might be one of my husband's brothers or sisters. It might be so-and-so's parents, their their best friends or their close friends' parents they could go to. And Mm -hmm. every time I would just be filled with relief. So um, when you're working with your, your parents, how do you express that to them without making them feel threatened that somebody else needs to go parent their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's tricky because there is that like threatened feeling of like, I have to do it all. I have to be my kids one and only. Um, But I think when we look at parents of like small kids, I almost try to like focus more again, more on the parent of like, who's your community? Oh, who are your yeah. people that you can talk to? Like, I'm your therapist. I only get to see you once a week for an hour. Who else is there? So kind of that same question, who are these people? And then, you know, as their kids get older, I think encouraging what you're saying of like, you know, do your kids have a relationship with these people? Mm. And like, I, it's like a tired cliche, but like of putting your oxygen mask on first, they say it all the time, you know, you need to put your oxygen mask on first. If you're going to be taking care of anybody else, you know, if you're going to be taking care of these kids, make sure that you have your village, your people, because I mean, parents are often suicidal themselves, especially immediately postpartum. It's like a really big risk factor in postpartum is suicide or suicidal ideation, which is just devastating to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, But so who is your village? And then, you know, hopefully then your children come into that village as they get older and they deal with things like your boys dealt with. And, um, we, I live in Polson and so we're on the Flathead reservation and the, like, the suicide right here is, um, absurd. They aren't even words. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so many families and so many kids need that support, whether they're, you know, the ones who lost somebody or, you know, it was their peer in school or there's, you know, teachers losing their mm-hmm. students and, um, I know there's a lot of work being done around here, but like you said, just thinking of the stats in our state and around, you know, indigenous and native communities, it's um, really important to build up that support as much as we can in that community and safety so that, you know, people know where to go and who to talk to 
before they get to that point of um, taking their lives. So I love what you just said about focusing on the parent because you can do that throughout your life, no matter how old your kids are. And um, yeah, the, the cliche of putting your oxygen mask on first, but at the same time, I think if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. If you don't mm-hmm. like yourself, you can't really give yourself to others mm-hmm. because there's no trust there. Yeah. Um, building a community is one way to do that. So um, I, kn- I know how I talked to our boys about the people they surrounded themselves with, whether they were their peers or believing certain teachers in terms of you know, what they said to them. Cause they, they had some, my, my older son in particular had an abusive teacher in fifth grade <sighs> and I'm still hearing stories of other students in his class and her other classes that are still struggling oh. 10 years later with this because of her impact. But um, one of the things we talked about with them a lot was the community you keep the community you nurture So how do you work that in when you're talking to a parent with little experience or in a community where it's so small? I mean, I know I have to surround myself with other women who support me and not who criticize or feel threatened by me. So Mm -hmm. I'm so curious how you present that or work with that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm I'm sure this is a continual conversation, but since 2020, it's been even harder, right? Like Mm -hmm. with COVID, there's you can't, I mean, you can, but like going out to the park and meeting people and like going to the library or even like meeting parents at school, um, in preschools and daycares, like a lot of them, I know we're just doing pickups in the car, you know, you don't even go in. And so you don't even get to see your child's friends or their parents. You don't get to meet anybody. And so it's been really, really hard. Um, so one thing I, I mean, if somebody it's, if it's kind of their home community and they do know people, Um, I encourage them to reach out to those people, even if it's like kind of an old friendship or just, just to be in touch. And also, I mean, kind of how you and I met the beauty of the internet, really, like there's a lot of, um, a lot of toxic stuff that goes on on the internet, but also there are tons of really supportive communities. Um, I know, especially like parenting communities, there are plenty of like mom groups that will, have a lot of judgment. There might be some that are very strongly like anti-vax or very strongly cloth diapers or whatever. And like you, you know, knowing your own values will help you choose where you need to be. Um, tribe. <laughs> yeah. There are, uh, there are plenty that are just like, we're just here to support you. We're just here to commiserate with you. And then you might find some that live in your community. You might find some that actually live nearby, or I mean, those digital relationships might be sustaining until, you know, and the world has opened up a little bit more, but especially in 2020, um, I know that was kind of a lifeline for a lot of people. It was just those like new online best friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, tell better me than nothing you, though. Right. Of course. Of course. So you had to experience all this to get to where you are. Yeah. And there are two, two directions I want to go with this before we wrap up. And okay. I don't know how long it's going to take. And it doesn't matter to me because this is important. <laughs> this is a really critical conversation. Um, the first is, I'd love to hear part of your story. What, what pivotal moment or experience did you have that made you realize you need to focus on adults because the children can't be fixed unless the adults they live with, or fixed is the wrong word, mm-hmm. can't be nurtured 
in positive ways unless the parents are nurturing the environment. Um, when was that moment? And then the next thing is, how is your work contributing to that community? Because I, I've seen some of your posts and they're, they're great. So Thank I would you. like to make sure that we promote some of that so that our listeners, if they're in that place or they know someone in that place, they, they know where to go for that kind of community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I'm trying to think of like the specific moment, but I worked with kids for like most of the beginning of my career, like even like in high school, in college, in graduate school, I was in daycares, I was in group homes. Um, and then I was working in schools. I worked in a high school and then an elementary school for a long time. And I remember one of my elementary school students was like, I worked with kids who specifically had serious emotional disturbances is what, what they call it or called it. Um, and we had one year, like one grade that he was just doing so phenomenal. Like we were just kind of like, does he even need our services? Like this kid is just like amazing. He's doing, he's has all these coping skills. He's dealing with his feelings in a really safe way. He's making friends. He's, his grades are decent um, despite all his struggles. And throughout that, his mom was also doing really great. Um, she was just, yeah, life was good. Her job was good. Her relationships were good. And then the next year, um, this kid was like back to the same behaviors that we had seen before and then some and like very unsafe. And it was hard to keep him in the classroom. And like part of our job, I was a therapist, but I worked in a special ed program. And, um, part of our job was to keep these kids in the classroom with their peers. We're not trying to separate them. We're not trying to, you know, single them out. Um, we want them to be with their peers. They, you know, deserve the exact same education and social learning opportunities as everybody else. And it was unsafe for this kid to be in the classroom. Um, and then it kind of, and then, you know, we discovered his mom was also not doing great and had experienced some really major losses recently. And then I, you know, suspect was kind of going back into addiction and there was a lot, but it was just incredible. It was almost for the first time that I could see a really direct parallel that he was being impacted by her and she was, you know, she was the best mom that she could be. She was struggling. I don't think that she was trying to damage her kid in any way. Right. Um, there's no judgment there. It's there's just no judgment. How do we, how do we yeah. make the adjustment to make it work? Yeah. And so I watched that. And then that same year I got pregnant with my first son and then I um, moved on from working in the schools into private practice. And um, so part of that, that moment with that child and mother, I was like, wow, like, I really wish somebody could help her right now. Like I wish I could be her therapist because that would be benefiting her kid more than me being his therapist right now. Right. Um, and then becoming a mother myself and um, going through postpartum, the postpartum period, I dealt with a little bit of postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, and just knowing like how helpful that was for me to have somebody to talk to. And also my community who could wrap me up and like take care of me and love my son. Um, and so that, I don't know, I just saw like how we could kind of start with these kids before they're even old enough to be in school. Like if we can start with their parents and give them the tools they need. And also I was, I was thinking of this earlier, but then the parents are modeling for their children how to handle these hard situations. So like back to the piece with community, I model for my children, like how important community is because I try to spend lots of time with my friends and like, mm-hmm you know, we're, we're in touch a lot, or if they like send me a picture of a new baby, I'll like show it to my kids and they know whose baby that is. And, um, but it's modeling it too. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's I'm really a huge important. proponent of that, that self-awareness that what you're doing, you're modeling for the people around you, not just your children. Mm-hmm. I see it at work. You know, I see um, certain people's behavior. And if you can just pare it down to say, um, to somebody who is not behaving in a way that's acceptable is to say, well, who do you like here? Yeah. Who here in this building is somebody that you, that, that their message or their, their being just resonates with you? Well, mm-hmm. Why? And do you want to be more like that? And how, how can you be you and still um, be different enough that you're modeling that behavior for others? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. I agree. Adults too. And I just think, you know, as adults and kids, we can kind of choose who we're modeling ourselves after, but sometimes we don't. And sometimes we model ourselves after the wrong people and our kids um, only have so many choices. So (laughs) totally unintentional. I actually talk about this a lot when it comes to management and parenting follows the same thing is that so many times somebody goes from being really poorly managed to being a manager who manages the same way because it's all they know. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that when they're being managed that way, they're like, I'll never be like that. And how many times have I said, I would never do that to my kid. And then all of a sudden my mother's voice is coming out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> same thing happens. So yeah. Yes. And that's a re- thing, like not judging ourselves for that is so hard. Like, no, I know. Cause it's I know. like, yeah, like I'm, I teach a parenting course. I'm a therapist and oh my gosh, like, did I just sit my kids in front of the TV for that long? And like, or did I just no. bribe them this way? Or did I raise right. my voice at them? Like uh, none of us are perfect and trying to just, you know, yeah. right. prepare, move on. But I think part of that helps us in our humility to, to help others. I, yeah. I say that often, you know, oh my gosh, I totally messed up that conversation with my husband. I'm a communication coach, a relationship <laughs> coach. And when it comes to communication and I totally messed that up. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that gives me a sense of understanding for others. And again, comes back to not judging and just observing and and finding, finding resources and finding answers. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to your Instagram community and the course that you're, that you've created. So Mm -hmm. tell our listeners a little bit about this and listeners, in case you're curious, this information will be in the show notes associated with the podcast. We'll have links. um, So don't rush off to grab a pen and paper. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's called Strength in Parenting, as I said before, to really help parents kind of discover what their strengths and values are and then use that to parent the way that they see fit. Um, So it's not necessarily teaching one way of parenting. I'm not teaching attachment specifically. I'm not teaching gentle parenting specifically. Um, I'm trying, it's, I call it like a crash course. It's all kinds of information. Um, like one piece is going to be psychoeducation. And so just talking about how trauma impacts us, how we can keep our kids safe, um, things parents might want to know about like child protective services. Um, many of us don't have contact with them, but sometimes it can be helpful and also reassuring to just know, like if anyone were ever going to make a report, this would be why. And, you know, here's some good information about it understanding the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What is unacceptable in yeah. in the eyes of the law? Yeah. Understanding that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I never would have thought of that. 
Yeah. I just think that's helpful to have because there are like, I've worked with parents who are like, oh, well, I, I don't think I can tell you this, but I like have a beer now and then, but you're not going to report me. And I'm like, no, of course not. Like that's not reportable, but they don't know that. Um, Here here are the boundaries and mm -hmm. worst case scenario kind of. Yeah. And like, if you're crossing that boundary, then like, maybe let's find a safe, you know, someone to help you so that you don't end up in this situation. Um, there's a lot of pieces about like just taking care of oneself, putting on an oxygen mask. Um, and again, modeling that for your children. So they have tools, um, and some just kind of general like tips and tricks for dealing with certain behaviors with children. Um, but it, it's pretty all encompassing, I think. Um, and then gives direction of like, if this is, if this resonates with you, here's a direction you can go. Um, another piece that I'm excited about is just talking about breaking unhealthy cycles within families. So, um, like you said about your mother's voice coming out, like we do carry things on whether we want to or not, because that's how, that's how we were raised. That's what is in our brains and our bodies. And that's how we are kind of programmed. Um, but we can change that. We can change that for ourselves. We can change that for our kids. And so just talking about kind of learning about how to notice that and where you want to go with it. And that's going to vary from family to family because there are also, um, you know, cycles and generational gifts and things that you do want to pass on and say, like, I love that my parents did this for me. I want to do this for my kids. I certainly don't want them sitting at the table till 10 o'clock because they won't eat an onion, for example. <laughs> Full circle. Yes. <laughs> I love you just did that. <laughs> that was unintentional. But. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. Well, um, uh, what is your course? How do people get a hold of it? What, how do they get in touch with you via or follow you on Instagram? Give us some details so people can reach out if they are interested or if they want to share it with somebody who is yeah. ready to, to continue to learn to parent. Cause it's, it's such a journey. It I is mean, a journey. <laughs> like I said, at the beginning, I, I feel like I followed my instincts in a pretty good way. I see the evidence now because my kids are 20, 23. And I see the evidence when people report to me how wonderful they are. I would have loved to have some confirmation that I was on the right track because, boy, I lost the Mother of the Year Award a few years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so gifts. Um, Give us our gifts. Give us your gift. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So my, I am most active on Instagram um, at ripening mama is my handle. Um, and I have a link there that goes to my course. Um, and then the website, I think you have it, but let me check it out. Um, Leah, M O R E dot podia.com. Um, you can access it there. Um, it's going to be four different modules throughout four weeks. And then I, they're only about 45 minutes each. I'm trying to keep it short parents and all people, but especially parents of small children, we don't have a lot of spare time on our hands. Um, so I want to keep it short and sweet. And then I have like some PDF, like checklists and, um, different things that can accompany it. Um, and I will say, if you do want to get in touch or if you have questions about that, Instagram is probably the best way to, to just, um, hop on there and send me a message. I'm really responsive to that. So that's great. And I like the, the name ripening mama. Oh, um, partly you. because one of my good friends, um, John Schinner, Dr. John Schinner, uh, 
he started his podcast, The Evolved Caveman. <laughs> and during our conversation a couple of years ago on this podcast, he said, I kind of wish I could go back and change it to evolving. Because mm. you're never fully evolved. I mean, until yeah. you're dead, right? Right. <laughs> and that's so ripening. Thing. Yes, with ripening. I learned that from from my midwife when I was pregnant the first time. She described like as a woman's body is like getting ready for birth and she's, you know, dilating and all that she described as ripening. Um like in your is your body like is your body ripening? I thought of it like a peach is getting like softer and riper. Um and then I just think of that with parenting too. It's like constantly ripening right. and changing and you know, a ripe yeah, they a ripe banana is not the same as a ripe apple. And like, it's just not. <laughs> and they all go through changes daily, moment to moment in some cases. Like when they're three months old, mm-hmm. they can look different in the morning than they did in the evening. Because yeah, they wake up from a nap. Something, observed <laughs> something that changed the way they see something. Like it, it evolves so quickly. Yes. So I love the idea of ripening. I also love the idea of ripening in terms of our whole self-awareness mm-hmm. and, and um, I don't think you ever become like fully right because then, then the indication would be that you start to sour. Right. Right. So <laughs> I would hope that you'd be ripening through your entire life until the, the moment yes. you can't anymore. And you're fully, fully there, fully present, fully self-aware and situationally mm-hmm. aware. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's terrific. Yeah, Yeah, this has been such a treat. So uh, we'll leave this with one last um, question for you. Okay. When you think about um, your, what you're doing in terms of your course and your, your Instagram account, what would you want people who are following you and learning to know most? Like what's the, the key? Um, what I want them to most know about what I'm doing or most just like now, like a word of wisdom, something that you're continuing to learn that you learned and you're continuing to learn and that you would love for them to start to consider. Um, I think I just would want them to know that they're already doing a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we get so down on ourselves, but like, I think just the baseline of like just caring whether or not you're doing a good job means you're doing a great job already. Mm. That's, I think that's the distinction that, that Mm -hmm. question mark, if you have a question mark, it means that they matter to you, that you care about them, that you love them. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the only place to start when you're developing and ripening. Exactly. Mm, Thank you. That's perfect. (laughs) Um, for our listeners, again, we will have links in the podcast show notes um, at elkinsconsulting.com uh, for you to follow and get in touch. And I'm encouraging all parents, no matter how old your children are, to really think about that, that you, if you're questioning it and you're growing as a human and you're becoming more self-aware and self-reflective, then you are ripening and you're already doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs>